This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. I'm your host, Mike Calabrese. This is the Group of Five Deep Dive. What you're going to notice right away is that we are without my co-pilot, Mike Ionello. And unlike Notre Dame football, he has forfeit his independence. That's right. He got married over the weekend, currently on his honeymoon. And we wish him the best. Everyone here at the Action Network family is very excited for you, Mike. And really a perfect time to step out because at the end of the month, beginning of August, we're going to get into, in earnest, the G5 preview series, every conference, win totals, conference you know, futures, player props, everything under the sun before the bullets start flying for real. At the end of August, we're going to have tons of content for everyone who loves the pod, which opens up a window of opportunity for us here in early, I should say at this point, mid-July, We're here with Matt Brown, the creator of Extra Points. You're going to find out why in just a moment. Extra Points is a daily newsletter detailing all of the -the off-the-field forces that shape college sports from the FBS to the NAIA. And really, Matt's the go-to source for realignment news, NIL happenings, and last but not least, the return of EA Sports NCAA football, which is near and dear to my heart. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's, it's a pleasure. Happy to do it. So let's just get right into it, because you have been the tip of the spear, just breaking news left and right about something that's you know started, I believe it was three or four years ago. They dusted off an old Facebook group and they had a little EKG and there was a blip on on the monitor showing that there were signs of life that the NCAA football series, which had been dormant since 2013, the NCAA 14 being the last version that was on the PS3 and Xbox since then, it's been you know hushed rumors and unsubstantiated things that have been said, but you're really the one in the foxhole finding out what's true and what's not. So let's start here. What do we know about the game? You know, When is it slated to come back? Which schools are involved? And will the players finally be getting a cut this time around? It's a great question. So here is what I, I know know at this point, right? So the game is currently scheduled to be released in July of 2023. That's been the same development schedule that was told to the schools way back in January of last year. Um, part of the reason that it takes so long is because all of the technical infrastructure from the last game is, is outdated. Um, and building things for the PlayStation 5, re-rendering all of these stadiums, uh, rebuilding the sport from the ground up because college football has changed so much is a major technical lift. So that's why the game, this is not a system where you can literally just reskin Madden. We know that right now, Over 120 FBS schools have formally signed on to the game, although people at both EA 
and uh, with the licensing systems have told me that they expect everybody at the FBS to ultimately participate. The handful of holdouts are uh, you know, kind of squabbling over licensing money or they're holding out to make sure that the athletes can actually be paid, but they're still submitting stadium assets. They're still submitting audio assets. They're still participating. They're just wanted to signal, we're not in this unless X, Y, or Z happens. The, whether the players are going to be in it is one of the big fascinating questions because this was, of course, why the game went away in the first place. EA got sued. Um, and EA has always wanted to include actual player likenesses. But of course, pre-NIL, you couldn't do that without athletes losing their eligibility. We can do that now. And so the question is not legal so much as it is logistical because there's not a player's union or a centralized you know, body to negotiate and sign all of these rights at once. What I have been told from people within the licensing industry and, and people that work at the high level with many of these schools is that there's a lot of optimism that the framework for that deal could be released as early as this summer. Um, there's, there's a couple of companies that have already set up group licensing, licensing deals at the campus level. And the hope is we're going to announce this way before the game actually comes out to give players an opportunity to opt in and, and, uh, and be a part of the game. We know that in the unlikely event that that doesn't happen, you're not going to be able to customize rosters. You're not going to be able to go on Operation Sports and download everything, which would be a big step back. But EA, again, wants to make sure that they don't get sued. Um, having said that, again, everybody that I am talking to expects players to be paid, and then you will have that kind of roster customizability. We don't know a whole lot about gameplay, but we do know what schools are giving EA to get ready to participate in the game. We know about the process to photograph and render a stadium. We know that the new FBS teams like Sam Houston and James Madison will be in this game. We have an idea for what schools are submitting to make the game day experience as authentic as possible. So not just fight songs, but hey, if we play the law and order sound every time somebody gets dinged for a penalty, we want the stadium to be able to play that. If you are playing Metallica before the game, right, if you're Virginia Tech, like we're going to make the steps needed to make sure that that's properly represented. My hope is as we get closer to the game and EA is actually ready to talk a little bit more about gameplay, that they'll share some of those specifics with me. I like the idea that the Jerry Orbach Family Foundation is potentially one final sticking point where it's like, we want to make sure we're getting a cut as well if you're using that one order original music. People who work in watch stores sell pieces out the back. He said he found a guy could get him platinum Patek Philippe's. Those babies are a hundred grand a pop retail. I'd rather be late. Yeah. A quick question here yeah. in terms of how you go about, you know, gaining this information. Is it as simple as, you know, calling or emailing EA Sports and the schools individually, you know, just hammering the phones and going through that grind? Or is this more a little bit more cloak and dagger where you're having to pry some of this information out with uh, freedom of information requests? It's in the beginning. It was mostly the latter. Um, and that's part of what makes this particular video game project unique, because typically gigantic AAA publishers are, are very hesitant to share development information. Um, and, and, you know, we don't, you know, we, you don't, you don't know what's going to be an NBA 2K until a couple of weeks before NBA 2K comes out. There's like, there's a specific PR strategy, but when you're working with public universities, that means a lot of that communication is an open record, which means nosy reporters like me can file a bunch of open records requests. And because my, my, my typical beat is to talk all the time about people that work in licensing, that work on the business side, to work with administration. I knew who to reach out to. Like I knew which athletic director is actually part of these kind of conversations. So I've broken a lot of these stories with FOIWA. And now that, I, you know, as, as arrogant as this sounds, but now that it's a kind of established that this is part of the extra points beat, and you've been doing this for a year and a half, and some of these schools see, hey, well, it turns out if I talk to Matt Brown about 
photographing our stadium and showing some of those assets, our fans get excited. Maybe I should just talk to Matt or I should, I should talk to my local beat writer about this. So for the audio assets, I filed open records. I paid the fees, but for some of these schools, I just call them up. I know BYU is a private school. They don't have to, they don't have to tell me anything. I just asked their licensing director, you know, pretty please. You want to tell me? And he goes, sure. Um, I should be able to have this information at Stanford and TCU and a couple other private schools um, just because they want to talk about it now. So it's, 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 it's a little bit of both. I do have people at EA that I talk to that I don't want to, I don't want to blow up their spot. I'm not going through their PR department. Cause if I just email, you know, EA and say, Hey, I'm a reporter. You want to talk about this? They're going to tell me to kick rocks. I've got a couple of people on the inside. So you, you kind of tipped your hand a little bit in terms of there's the fight songs, there's the marching band, but there also potentially could be the chance. And this is just purely as a fan of the video game. Are we talking about like neck LSU style? Like how deep in the weeds are you getting and, you know, unearthing some of these uh, hidden gems? No, it's, it's, it's funny you mentioned that, right? I've called LSU twice. I filed the FOIA. Listen, we know that this game's not going to get an M rating. So are we going to get the authentic <laughs> neck experience? Like, probably not. I joked about this. I'm like, listen, um, are we going we get a drunk guy like demanding to play neck? And then maybe an administrator saying, no, we don't want that SEC fine, right? You kind of go get meta. Probably not. Um, when LSU tells me one way or the other, I promise I'll share it with the internet. And if not me, I hope LSU tells somebody. But there are, are less profane student chants, right? Like at, at a Sam Houston game, which many of you probably haven't watched yet because they were in FCS. You got one side of the stadium that yells Sam and the other side of the stadium that yells Houston at, at, at big game moments. That's going to be in the game. Um, if you have fans that are, are, are chanting something that's maybe a little bit less R-rated, like, will that be in the game? I, I feel pretty confident that like the go to Ohio state game and you hear the OHIO going around Ohio stadium, that's probably going to be a thing. Um, my hope is that we get really in the weeds here. Like I've seen the forms. I've seen like the disclosure forms for like, listen, you got to give us an audio asset. You got to tell us the cadence for this chant. You got to give us the full text. Cause we want to really replicate it. That's how seriously they're taking it. It's interesting you bring up, you know, replicating. So it's not necessarily as easy as just capturing audio at the game or a telecast. It could be in some cases for fidelity reasons, I would imagine. Our producer, Matt, could probably get into this better than I could. But you can't just rip any audio .wave file. That's probably not going to cut it, right? That's exactly it. So some of that is happening, right? Many of these schools are sitting down with their marching band or, or more accurately did this a couple of months ago and asked them to record different, you know, different songs, different clips, different chants. Um, there are audio fidelity issues. And there's also, you know, the EA and the schools are trying to get the most information about when it happens so they can make the most authentic experience, right? If you're at an Oklahoma game, hearing Boomer Sooner, like literally every seven seconds, regardless of what's happening on the field, that's a pretty authentic experience, right? Or like the USC marching band, they know one song. So you're going to hear that again and again and again. But that's not the same way it is at every, at every school. Maybe there's, there's a particular chant that only happens uh, late in the game, or um, when if you've thrown for 300 yards, or if it's close, and you don't want those things to pop up in game game situations where it doesn't make sense, and that's something that they're trying to to improve upon here. And I think they did a good job with earlier games, but the PS5 has so much more computing power that you can save some more of these assets and have more complicated logic to make this as authentic as possible. I'll give a quick shout out to the College Football Revamped organization. They went in and they through the, the process of uh, utilizing software, you have to kind of jailbreak your PS3 or if you're using yep. it on uh, you know, a Windows computer, they skin the game, they put in different assets, new jerseys, new uniforms, in some cases, updating stadiums. One thing that was interesting to me, they actually went as far as 
putting in official sponsors. So when you fire up the game just out of the box, instead of it being Coca-Cola, it's some kind of generic soda brand, and they'll have that at a particular stadium. Have you heard any brands getting more involved? Because that was something that to me is like, am I going to see Publix on the scoreboard at Auburn or South Carolina, as opposed to a Kroger or something like that in the Midwest? This is a, it's funny you ask that, um, because this is actually something I'm literally trying to work on right now. This came up when I was talking with Sam Houston. They're like, look, we kind of struggle with this because at our school, you know, we, we, we license, we sell some of those audio assets, right? Like this is a first financial first down or something. Right. And they're like, well, if we put, send that to EA, do we charge first financial more? Um, does EA is because you know, in earlier games, right. You had Nissan that did a deal mm-hmm. with EA. Right. So like Nissan's at every stadium, is that something EA is doing? And I've reached out to Learfield and I've reached out to a couple of licensing directors. And the best I understand right now is, is it's unclear. Um, because these kind of digital assets haven't been part of the multimedia rights sales portfolio for the last decade. So a lot of these schools haven't really thought about it yet. My gut, given that we're dealing with EA, I think it is more likely that you're going to see Coke and a couple of AAA brands be with everything. But I, it, would be, it would be fun and it would add to the realism if it was actually this is the biggest guy Coke, uh, you know, an agent in Huntsville, Texas. And you can see like his little thing there. And, and, uh, that's possible. I, I, I was talking with somebody at Boise State, actually, that was telling me like one of the old PS2 versions of the game. One of the major um, partners for Boise State at the time was like a prefab manufactured home company. And they put like they, they moved like a prefab shed or something like on the sidelines. Or, or I, I do remember stadium. this. Yeah. yeah. And that was in the game. And, you know, that's technically like a, a brand extension here. So these are these are the questions that that everyone's kind of navigating through. And that's a big reason why some of these schools aren't calling me back immediately because it's actually like, I'm not trying to be cagey. I literally have to talk to my attorney. <laughs> so you brought up earlier the PR department for EA sports, you know, they're not necessarily the most fruitful conversations you can have because either they're telling you to kick rocks or potentially they're being vague just to build buzz, but not get you know, commitments to functionality or features. But I do remember in all the years playing, whether it was the NHL series or Madden or NBA live, Every once in a while, they tout like, oh, we brought in this coach or this analyst and they helped us fix this element of the game. Is there anything related coaching or analytics wise to the X's and O's? I I may be remembering it incorrectly, but I think at one point they talked about the read option and that they at least had consulted offensive coaches as to getting it just right, that, that kind of stuff. Any of that chatter going on in any of the documents that you've reviewed? Um, not in the documents that I've reviewed, but in conversations that I've had. So hopefully this doesn't get me into trouble because I, I, I don't want to specify the exact names because like that I, I, I think would get me in trouble. But college football has changed enormously since the last game. And part of that is you're right, exactly on the field. Like the big innovation for the last NCAA game was uh, implementing the read option in a way that hadn't been done before, make it easier to figure out like who on the defense you're supposed to read mm-hmm. and building out that side of the playbook. And they had to talk to a lot of coaches to do that. RPOs weren't a thing the last time we played this game. Now that's a foundational part of most college football offenses. The way we look at tempo, the way that defensive positioning is set up now is, is very different. Like, you know, dime is the base package for some of these programs now, which wasn't really a thing. Also recruiting, as you would expect, and roster management has changed enormously. NIL was not a thing. The transfer portal was not a thing. Collectives were not a thing. Um, the roster limit sizes and changes were, are, are going to be different. What I am comfortable sharing is that EA is intimately aware that the sport has changed and they have reached out to some subject matter experts, both on the field and off the field, 
to help inform them about what changes to make. I also don't mind saying this. I'm not one of those people. Um, I know who some of those people are, but like that, that, that is something that has gone on here. I can't promise you that like they're going to nail RPOs. But, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a sports video game. I'm not, I'm not on the development team. Are, do they know that they can't just reskin Madden's like play engine? Yes. Like that, that has been made very clear to me. This one, hopefully I can break some news or you can share some breaking news. Um, have any players or schools been reached out to in regards to the cover art for the release next summer? That, that, that unfortunately, I don't know. And I've, I've, I've looked into that too. And I, I imagine that's something that's probably not going to appear in an open records request. Um, it's fun because there's, there's a whole lot of really fun ways you can, you, can, you can do this, right? You can go and you can bring in a... Uh, a current athlete, and I imagine EA might want to wait till after this football season to see who makes the most sense there. Since we've been we've we've missed a lot of years, you could put in past Heisman winners. You can put in a bunch of athletes that should have been on the cover that never were, or you can take a page from Madden and just put something that's not a player at all. You know, one of the kind of things that makes it hard to handicap is this is a rebrand of the entire franchise. It's not NCAA football anymore. It's EA Sports College football. So if they want to, you know, make a, a clean break. And, and rebrand this entire franchise, maybe you don't use the same cover style um, or the, that, that you had done before. There's a, a lot of questions. Um, I don't think you could screw it up, but I, I, I wish I could tell you that, like, oh no, CJ Stroud is going to be on the cover. I, I don't know that. Before we get into a fun lightning round, last question here for you in terms of your actual reporting on this. Was there anything that you were surprised by in your search, either early on or in recent months where it was a new feature specific to the game, even just perhaps a, a process that you found to be more convoluted or streamlined than you thought going into it uh, as it relates to the video game? One thing that I think I was a little surprised by this, and, and maybe some fans might be, schools don't really make a ton of money from this thing. Um, you, the amount of money that you get from licensing your IP to EA is broken down into tiers. And your tier is, is determined by how often your team finished in the AP top 25 over the last decade. Um, if you're in the bottom tier, which hilariously would be like Nebraska, and, and, and along with a bunch of like Mountain West and Mac teams, you get like $10,000. And if you're in the top tier, it's like, I want to say it's like 115,000. So that's clearly not nothing, but it's not an enormous amount of money. Um, the athletes are, I, I mean, I want to set the expectation here. Like, no, I don't think anyone other than maybe the cover athletes making 10 grand from this thing. All right. It's, it's move, move the decimal point over a place or two, plus a, a free copy of the game. Schools are still thrilled about this because of the enormous marketing value that they get, particularly from a new generation of, of consumers that they're desperately trying to engage because Zoomers aren't buying season tickets. Half the time, they're not going to the game at all, but they do play video games. And so that, you know, that's critical. One thing that's going to be different on the licensing financial state with this game and really with the last one is DLC is going to be a bigger component. Um, there was an ultimate team mode in, in the last NCAA game, but online play wasn't really ubiquitous. Like I remember I, when I got it, I had an Xbox 360. I didn't have, I didn't have Wi-Fi capability in it. You had to buy one of those external dongles. And it wasn't, it was something I, I as a consumer barely did um, now that's every single game. So, I mean, I, I, I don't, I want to, I don't want to break this specific thing, but I want to you know, set the expectation. Could there be FCS teams available as a DLC, you know, roster patch in the future that aren't available at launch? Yeah. Could there be a football player that blows up in week three and you can pay a little bit of extra money in the auction house to add him to your ultimate team. And that guy gets a cut from EA for his additional likeness. Yeah, that's the thing that could happen. That kind of happened with NBA 2K this year with Bonchero being in ultimate team while he was literally at Duke and, and got money for it. 
Um, and uh, schools might get additional money for preparing some of those things here too. So I don't necessarily know how consumer friendly that might be. It kind of depends whether you're more of a dynasty or an ultimate team mode guy, but that does add a new wrinkle to the financial side of this whole equation. All right, time for the fun stuff, the lightning round. You as an EA sports player, not necessarily as one who is reporting on it. So the pause in the NCAA series, you mentioned this earlier, it deprived us of, deprived us of playing with a whole host of superstars. You know, Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Joe Burrow. Who would you have loved to have played with mm. from the video game list era, this drought of almost 10 years now? Man, I, I, I probably either Lamar Jackson or Johnny Manziel. And part of that is because I, as a dumb reporter, you know, and somebody who hadn't really played competitive football since like eighth grade, I'm not super great at reading defenses. And so the, the you know, the, the thing that's easy to do in the, in the college games, if you suck at this and you miss your first read is just roll out of the pocket and sprint. Right. And so in, in, in college football video games, you love having a mobile quarterback. somebody who can rush for 75 yards and open things up. And um, you know, those two were some of the best to ever do, especially Lamar, because, you know, Lamar was a better passer, um, you know, as well. Like you, there are a couple of guys that you watch just think like, that's a really good video game player. Christian McCaffrey would have been a really good video game player. Um, Justin Fields, I think would have been a really, really good video game player. Uh, and there's going to be some, you know, some Mac or some Mountain West guys, but, but certainly that, that whole Louisville offense would have been really fun to play on, in the, uh, on a PlayStation. Yeah, I agree on the Christian McCaffrey answer, but this is the group of five deep dive. So I got to give some love to a group of five player. I'm going to go Marcus Jones last year from Houston. He won the Paul Horning award as the most versatile player in college football. And I love the guys that you could put on defense, special teams. And I I think he caught like six or seven passes last year, at least in September for Houston. So being able to use a player all over the field was always really cool. I, I found that to be exciting, you know, kind of messing with the depth charts. I was always in the rosters, editing, tweaking, putting the the right accessories on and visors and all that kind of stuff. Um, second question for you here, as it relates to being on the sticks, quote unquote, yeah. what was your proudest moment as an NCAA football video game player? Yeah, it's funny. Being proud in retrospect is probably not the word I want to use to attach <laughs> this, given all the things I could. I mean, I spent a lot of time in college staying in my apartment or in our dorms, when I could have been doing things like talking to girls or going to class that I spent you know, playing with Hawaii and like year 37 of my dynasty. And you, 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 I mean, and, and those are, those are the things I, the, the proudest moment I think honestly would be like the, I, the one time I managed to block a field goal. And I've been, I've been playing this game since it was on the PlayStation one. I think, I think Dante Culpepper was like, it was like on my team, um, you know, up till it ended. I've done it once, but I, I remember screaming and running around the apartment and, and, <laughs> and you're know, acting like I had just done some amazing thing. And I, I mean, it was probably like 2009, maybe. Yeah, I, I've had that exact moment where, you know, you kind of silently scream, at least me, I, I got two little ones in the house. So I'm like, where do, what, what do I do with all this emotion? Yeah. And something that my wife is certainly not going to care about. I'm not going to wake her up and let her know that I just blocked a potential game winning field goal. Um, I would say for mine, this goes back probably the 2006 version of the game, which a lot of people argue was the best ever. I had this heated rivalry with uh, one of my friends from high school. He also had a little brother who played the game and the three of us played it religiously. And we were in this kind of rotating tournament and Wyoming at the time was one of the better Wyoming teams in program history. Javon Bownight was the wide receiver. I remember him. He's now the, I think, passing game coordinator at Marshall. He's, he's grown up into the coaching ranks, 
but he had like 15 catches for me in a triple overtime game, one on a diving interception in the end zone. And if my friend Brian's ever having a really good day, I'll just text him that just to bring him down from cloud nine, just to remember that he lost the game of the century, quote unquote. And that's what I loved about the EA series. A game between New Mexico and Wyoming was just as compelling to us as the Iron Bowl. <laughs> Didn't necessarily need to have the, the stakes or the blimp above the stadium, to, you know, to have it be really fun. Um, I, I think if you didn't get really emotionally invested in playing as some kind of G5 program or in the G5 rivalries or stadium experiences, then you missed out on the best parts of this game. Uh, if we took all of the people that played dynasties with Wyoming or Hawaii or Kent State or New Mexico State and built them into powers and like made them buy season tickets, these schools would all be able to move up another conference. Like the, the, that's that's what everybody's doing. And that, and that was fun. That gives you a chance to see what a stadium is like that you probably won't ever visit in real life. Yeah, I think you could draw a direct line from me receiving NCAA football, or at the time it was called College Football USA 96 back in oh, the, you know, for the, the Sega, Christmas right? of 95 for the yeah. Sega, drawing a direct line from that to me being the co-host of the Group of Five Deep Dive, because that was an opportunity to get into all those teams that I had never heard of, even though it was just the player numbers, you know, getting out the newspaper, trying to figure out who was who. It was an exciting time. Yeah, I mean, and shoot, even for the Sega game, I feel like they didn't even always have all the, the actual school names, right? You're playing as like State College or like Columbus, like, and because they didn't get all of the IP rights. But what you were describing, to, to put on my serious professional journalist hat here for a minute, is exactly why so many schools have been pushing to bring this thing back and why they're so thrilled about it, because they recognize this is a chance to build awareness um, in, in, in a way that they, they're literally never able to do before. Like the example that I give is, you know, I grew up outside of Columbus, Ohio. And I didn't know a whole lot of people in my community that went to HBCUs. That's not really a big thing in, in Ohio. And I didn't know what Florida A&M was. I didn't know what Morgan State was until, honestly, playing this game and uh, in the couple of years when you had FCS teams and you go, oh, now, now you actually get to see some of these things. And that sticks in the back of your mind. A couple of years later, when you see them in the news and you begin, your world expands a little bit and you know more people. And, uh, you know, and here I am now dedicating my life to writing about mid-major and low, and low major programs and, and, and have grambling stuff here in the, in the back of my wall. This is what schools are hoping for. You can't buy that kind of exposure. And as trite or as silly as it sounds, the video game, and I would imagine accompanying mobile games that will probably come out of this later, we're going to play a big role in that. So extrapointsmb.com is where people can find your newsletter and subscribe. Where else can we find you out in the wild and opportunity to, to plug all the amazing work that you're doing? You're really doing the Lord's work here as we get closer and closer to release date in 2023. I, I appreciate that. You can find me at Twitter at Matt Brown EP, or you can shoot me an email at Matt at extrapointsmb.com. I, I do write about this game a lot, but I also write about conference realignment and NIL and uh, university finances and research that's happening in sports management. Uh, that, that's, that's what's going to be a couple of the stories later on this week at Extra Points. So if you want to figure out all the back end stuff that helps shape whether your team's going to be good or not on Saturday, I think you'd enjoy Extra Points. For Matt Brown, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Group of Five Deep Dive under the Big Bets on Campus banner. If you are excited about our preseason content, I know that I am. Your long wait is almost over. Our beloved series with Colin Stuckey and Brett McMurphy is back at the end of the month. We're going to get into every conference, every team, breaking it down so you have all the tools you need to start the season hot, stay in the black, have a happy September financially. That's what we're here for. Thanks so much for listening.